Welcome. To Arcade Audio. to another episode of Shared History. Because history's worth it. Oh, I agree. I agree too. I That's agree. That's why I said it. I came up with that on the spot. Oh my I god. Just, you know, I think it's, I think it's, needs to be talked about. It needs to be shared. History you're, does. You're a genius. And, um. Uh, Natalie, I, I would not call myself a hero. Other people might, but I just... Other people do. Okay, I'm a hero. I'll say it. I'm a fucking hero. You're a very particular hero. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've been saved by you in social situations from time to time for my own social anxiety. I'm trying to think of other other situations in which... Listen, you're a hero when somebody offers me tickets to a soccer game and I need a hot date. And my husband doesn't want to go in. I'll be there. I'll be. Yes, I'll take the uh, the free parking passes and the free tickets. Yes. Hot. I am so selfless. You are just God, a, a generous friend. soul. You're, <laughs> you're also a hero when somebody has ordered a, a pitcher of Bud Light and just isn't sure if we're going to be able to finish it. You're a hero then. And I say, hey, strangers across the bar, I'm here for you. And that brew. And it's like, you're not only generous, you're also just like very brave. Yeah. Because no one else wants to admit that they would go finish someone else's Bud Light. Did you order this Bud Light? Uh, No, no, it's not mine. I'm like, it's mine. (laughs) With pride, I accept the rest of this Bud Light. (laughs) This isn't about Bud Light, but Bud Light, if you want to sponsor us, Listen, Cass would be thrilled. I would be send okay. Us, send us your swag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll take I'll take Anheuser Busch as a whole because that means that then I can have my namesake, Natty Ice, <laughs> or Natty Daddy. As uh, oh, who's calling you Natty Daddy now? Have you never heard about Natty Daddy? No. I hadn't either until last summer when they came out with a lemonade flavored one and my friend sent me like tagged me in an ad and just was like I keep getting this targeted ad and every time I see it I think of you and then for my uh then for my birthday she sent me natty daddy socks so one socks is natty and the other socks is daddy I've never seen them in the wild it's a malt beverage oh the name of the actual beverage is natty is natty Daddy. I thought you meant people just started calling you that. It was like, no, but fun. I, I encourage it. <laughs> <laughs> so I will accept it. Um, I will probably so identify. Brave. I identify as pretty much any part of the natural ice uh, chain. <laughs> um, one time, I I almost bought. Uh, I almost bought an audience at Comedy Sports. Uh, all. All of the people who I were who I assumed were of age, I almost bought the whole audience during the show. I almost bought them a round of either Natty. It was either Natty Light or it was um, 
Natter Days. I think it was Natty Light or Natty Ice because it was on... For some reason, somebody had ordered like a couple cases of it. And Nico at the bar, our wonderful bartender, Nico at Comedy Sports, was trying to get rid of it. So it was like... <laughs> It was like $4 or something a can. And then on top of my performer discount, uh, I literally during the show counted how many people, how many adults <laughs> in the audience. Um, but then, you know. See, I they, couldn't do that math. They, I did it and I, well, I only had to multiply it by two. Uh, I can't do that math. <laughs> it's hard. Um, and then I didn't do it because they didn't give my team the points in the next, uh, game. So I was like, you know what? They don't even know. They don't even know what they, what we all could have had together. <laughs> but I'm not going to hold that over them forever. I think about it I am. a lot. <laughs> we could have shared in something We special. could have shared this. It was a weirdly mostly adult audience. And I just... I'm just like, I'm so generous that if people like me, I will buy them a drink. And that, again, back to bravery and heroes. Because history, much like Natty, Natty Light, is worth it. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Oh, uh, have you brought some worthwhile history for I us? I have brought some worthwhile history for us. Um... Dear readers, Cass and I, Cass and I thought that we had recorded our last episode of just the two of us for this season, but you know, just when you think you're out, they pull you back, aka one of our guests had to reschedule for next season. Uh, so here we are, clearly having lost our dang minds, <laughs> just the two of us. several weeks after the last time we recorded. Barely holding it together, barely remembering how to do anything. We but got cable issues, ACs are running. So sounds sorry, not sorry, and strap in for some history. I at least had a really easy decision ahead of me for what topic to do today because one of our listeners requested this topic. They DM'd us. I tried, I just combed through our DMs looking for the DM so that I could shout you out, friend. But I couldn't find it because Instagram DMs are a trash heap. But I'm here to do something that we haven't done yet this season. And Cass, I'm shocked because normally you do this. So just like I realized we hadn't covered a scientist this whole season, we haven't covered an athlete this whole season. Right? Was Johnny Bright was last last season, mm -hmm. wasn't he? Oh my gosh, they just blend together, don't they? <gasps> no athletes, tell me more. Yeah, so I brought you an athlete, and I will try not to make it just a list of their achievements, but it's difficult because they're actually kind of like a, a shy, just down to earth gold medalist. <laughs> casual. So, casual. Um, this is, do you know who Kathy Freeman is? No. Kathy Freeman, one, one, um, she's the first, oh, what is it? She's the first Australian Aborigine to complete, compete in the Olympics at all. And not the first to, she's the first Australian Aborigine person to win a medal, but the second ever to win gold because her first medal wasn't gold. So uh, a listener wrote in and 
was I wish I could find the DM because they were saying they were taking a class, like a sports history class or something, and they thought sports history That's right. Fun. They they thought that their story was like really interesting or just that like they couldn't believe that they hadn't heard of it heard of her and she's still alive, very important and wonderful. Um. So Kathy Freeman was born in Queensland, Australia, in 1973. She won her first gold medal in a in primary school at her at like her sports day did you guys have like a field day and whatnot oh in, yeah in school oh yeah. yeah so she like wins a gold member i doing it again <laughs> she wins i can't did you just say gold member listeners take a drink that's gotta be something <laughs> the weirdest the weirdest dyslexia reading disorder that i have <laughs> is that i can't say gold medal i always say gold member <laughs> Oh, no. Kathy deserves better. Okay. She won her first gold in primary school at their sports day and basically decided, like, right there and then, like, 10 years old, I'm going to be an Olympic champion. So she said in an interview that she thinks she was probably about 14 when she went ahead and put that affirmation, like, up on her wall. She made, like, a vision board. And she said in this interview, quote, I guess the point of the exercise was to set a goal that was exceedingly too high to reach. But then she does. So uh, she she set she sets that goal. She achieves that goal. What's interesting and what I'm annoyed that I couldn't find more information about outside of like this one video feature on her career is that. So her family is of two Aborigine people. Um, the, oh, I should have looked up how to pronounce this. I apologize to all of Australia. The Kukuyalan. <laughs> the National Sorry Day was not that long yeah. ago. Uh, the Kukuyalani and the Biragupa. Um, and so her family is of, of these two different Aborigine people. And it that doesn't really matter. They would have faced their fair share of racism Anyway, the Aborigine people in Australia from the from the day we arrived on that continent on Australia and blinking step into the sun. We oppressed everyone. We didn't educate anyone. We were dicks. We were British dicks. Oh my god! I love that! It's the racists of life! <laughs> um, so, yes. Uh, colonialism. So, <laughs> As a new anthem. Apparently. I'm like, I'm here for it? Like, I, I don't want to give colonialism like an anthemic whatever, but it's kind of like a big F you. Yeah. Like, yeah, but I do want to take a Disney movie that takes place in, uh, in Africa and is well i mean it's all animals so it's not whitewashed because they're animals but we're not going to get into the politics it's not of about blanking <laughs> there are so many oh my god that's a whole episode right there it's a whole other episode but bring us back to australia bringing us back to australia uh the aborigine people were basically forced into like living in squalor they weren't they didn't have the same edu- opportunities of education Stolen from their families. Yes, as we covered in uh, our episode about the stolen generations, straight up stolen from their families. Um, So not great. There's a lot of prejudice there. And it like, 
I feel like kind of reached a tipping point of like, let's talk about reconciliation. Let's really like, let's really push for Aborigine rights around 2000, which is when, which is when Kathy Freeman is like shining her brightest and is literally is becomes the face of the Sydney Olympics essentially, Mm -hmm. but we're not there yet. Um, I wish this is the part that I wish I found more information about. There was in this one video feature that I found about her. They talk about how a couple of early races that she won when she start first starting out as a competitive athlete, she basically had was robbed of her winnings. Like they wouldn't honor the fact that she won the race. She had some and she uh, I guess I didn't mention she's a runner. She's a sprinter that there were some of like competitions that she competed in and that she won and then they basically were like but you didn't like you're not you can't be here or something like that i'm kind of talking around it because i couldn't find more information about it because Mm -hmm. like with many athletes for some reason her her, all of her bios on everything are so focused on her like i guess amateur level but like because you have to be quote unquote amateur to be in the olympics which just always blows my mind but uh are so focused on her wins as a runner and not as much focused on as when she was starting out. So that was kind of a disappointing. So when you say they took her winning, like like prize money for the winnings, or they literally were like, you don't get first place. You don't get the label of first place. I don't know. Like the thing, the thing that I heard it in just basically said like she was, she had a couple, a lot of her wins, some of her wins starting out denied because hashtag racism. Um, but Freeman, de- Freeman has described like that she, her, her strength and character and who she was as an athlete and how she was, uh, how driven she was, she is, was influenced by the racism that she and her family faced. And then also by her Baha'i faith, uh, which uh, Baha'i is a relatively new religion. It teaches the essential worth of all religions and like equity and unity among all people. So I'm for that. Right. There's a Baha'i temple up north of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, It's beautiful. So. 1992 she becomes the first i'm not gonna like go through all of her she before this she goes on she's she's like in the commonwealth games which are championships for i believe strictly nations that are or were part of the british commonwealth yeah Um, i just know that because i'm the queen doesn't what's his tits go to all the commonwealth games or whatever and whatnot Yeah, so there's like there's other races and competitions before the 1992 Olympics, but the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona are the ones, the first ones that she went to. She went on a relay team. I want to say it was the four by two, uh, the 200 meter relay. I might be wrong. And she was the first. It was either the 100 or the 200. And so this is where she was the first Australian Aboriginal person to compete in the Olympics at all, full stop. Wow. She does not medal here. The team does not medal. 
But then she goes on and switches shortly after those Olympics. She switches her event to the 400. Cass, have you ever run a 400? <laughs> did you do track? Oh, I did a little bit of middle school track. I hated the 400. Nobody it's... wants to run the 400 because to it's me, like. To me, that's long distance. <laughs> but it, for, it's a yeah. sprint. Yeah. Like it is a dead sprint. And if you have never been on an actual track, those things are fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, how old was she when she was in the 92 Olympics? Oh, let's know? do some quick math. She's 19. Fuck. She's 19 at her first Olympics. So after those Olympics, she starts competing in... Um, well, I guess I should mention, I did mention the Commonwealth Games, so I'm going to go backwards a little bit. She won the... Because you asked how old she is at the Olympics, she won the Commonwealth Games gold medal at age 16 in 1990 damn and i actually just looked up a picture of her too um she I, should look familiar like she looks kind of familiar but also she looks tall like like 16 like when you are some um 17 year old just beat usain bolt's world record in the 100 meter or maybe it's a 200 meter and I'm, they're like he's 17 i was like he's probably looking like a scrawny little pimply high school kid he's fucking huge like if you are tall i don't know that's really good for running i just i don't know i just don't see how like 16 year olds can compete with like professional athletes 23 24 years old but like if you tall you can run doesn't matter how old well, you are well but you have you do kind of have the wind against you if you're tall that's why there's there's also like a lot of sprinters who are shorter they have to take yeah. more they have to move literally faster yeah uh because they have to take more steps but <laughs> they're they have they're aerodynamic the smalls of the world um yeah so she was also the, she was the first australian indigene to win uh to take gold at the commonwealth games as well she wow. does that when she's 16. uh so the 1992 she goes to the olympics she she doesn't medal at the olympics she switches to the 400 which yes I wasn't a runner, but I would occasionally, because I also only really did track in middle school, if somebody was missing and they needed to fill a slot in a relay, there were weird things that I would like sub into if we just needed another person to do them and I didn't already have a full event card for the day. Mm. And one was hurdles, which I don't know why, like you don't want to just like sporadically do hurdles. Yeah. But it was basically things that had like a quote unquote technical element or like form element that they were like, okay, yeah. Natalie knows how to do hurdles so she can do these yeah. hurdles. And Natalie knows how to properly do a baton handoff. So she can, <laughs> she can Handoffs do are my fave. I love relays. I did hurdles a little bit. I wasn't great at them. Um, I love the 200. You see, and I still, I'm like, give me the 100 or the 400. I didn't like the 400, but at least like, it's really hard to it's really hard to understand how to pace yourself at like 13 years old doing yeah. a 400. Well, and that's why at the 100 like I'm fast. Like I'm 100 you fast. just go. You just go but as fast. You just as you go can right out the gate. Yeah, but that also is a lot of like figuring out how to build your speed quickly and then maintain mm -hmm. it. Like 200 I feel like I could pick up my speed enough and then like shoot off whereas 100 you're just like I feel like my legs are moving so slow. I want, like, it's, it's weird. 400, you do that. You start to build your speed and then you're like, 
oh shit, I still have another 200. <laughs> and a dead sprint. So I would occasionally do the four by four if they were missing a body. Otherwise, I was a So like, jumper. we have a lot to talk to uh, Kathy Fremont about. If we ever met her, it'd be like, yeah, I, yeah. I get it. Like, I know what you went through there. Yeah, I want to understand. Understand. <laughs> so she switches... She switches to the 400. She still runs the 200 as well. She takes the gold in both the 200 and 400 in the 1994 Commonwealth Games. Uh, before continuing on to the Olympics uh, in 1996, which are the ones in Atlanta. So so we, we go to the 96 Olympics and we crush it. This is the first time that she medals. This is the first time that any... Australian. We are all we are all Kathy in Metals. this situation. Yes. We crush it. We <laughs> all crush it. Good for us. Um, so it, she wins. She wins the silver medal in a race that is still considered one of the best four hundred meter matches races in history. She and her like quote unquote rival uh, Marie Marie Jose. Perec from of France uh, led the field the whole time. It was neck and neck, just the two of them, until the final straightaway, when Perec just like gets just enough on her right near the end. I watched it, and first of all, Kathy Freeman, like this is like watching a gazelle run. The stride on this woman is insane, and. And it's so close. It's so close. And even knowing how it ended, I still was like tense the whole time I was watching it. I just want to YouTube it right now. Like I really do, but I can't. I'm going, maybe I will. Tell me more. <laughs> do you want to pause and YouTube it really fast? I kind of really do. Okay, I'm going to hit pause. The scary lady's going to yell at us. Hey, Nat, can we make this quick? I have to go check on my sponge. Your sponge? Ugh, you've been binging Bake Off again, haven't you? Four words. Paul Hollywood Soggy Bottom. Okay, well, when you're done with Amateur Hour, the adults will be over here ordering cakes from the pros at ECBG Cake Studio. Because they make specialty cakes for all occasions. We're talking custom birthday cakes. We're talking jaw-dropping wedding cake masterpieces. We're talking Paul Hollywood just shook my hand, I deserve a cake cakes. ECBG Cake Studio, you say? Yes. And if you insist on trying to perfect your sponge, they also offer online baking classes. So follow at ECBG underscore studio on Instagram or visit their website, ecbgstudio.com. Okay, we just paused for a second to watch the to watch the 400 meter final in the 1996 Olympics. Oh my and god, Cass, how do you feel? I like wide eyed. I have my hands over my mouth. Like I know what's happening. And then as she starts, as the uh, Perex starts to pull away, I was like, No, Kathy still got this. Kathy still got this. And then the first things that happens. First of all, it's a new Olympic record. Correct. Yeah. Beat the old record by a full second. She's also is, the first. That's a lot. She's the first woman to ever defend that title. She had won it in the last Olympics, and so that's an achievement. That's uh, awesome. And but also the first thing Kathy does when the camera goes over, she's just beaming and smiling, and she gives Perek a kiss on each cheek, like very French. I'm like, she's just so happy for her. 
Yeah, it's it's I a stressful way to watch, but it's also just like beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny because they're like they're quote unquote rivals because for the next several seasons, it's always them. It's always them. Yeah. So Kathy had just won gotten fourth in that year's Commonwealth Games and like now is getting second in the Olympics. So good on you, Kathy. Yeah. That is that is when I said that was the first medal. That was the first time an Australian Aborigine took home a medal, an Olympic medal. That race against Perec? Yes. Yeah, because she's a great silver. one to have be your the first ever. It's still like, considered one of like the best Perec just like barely out like they're neck and neck until that last hundred meters. Yeah. And and Perec just pulls ahead. It's it is beautiful. Um her her silver medal run was her winning her winning time for that silver was an Australian record mm. for the four hundred. And it was the sixth fastest time in that event ever. Perek's time was like the second fastest time in that event ever. Jesus. So like there's a lot of achievements happening. In a that, lot going on. In listeners under 45, like under 50 seconds, well under a minute, so much happens. So many, <laughs> so many firsts, so many achievements, just... That's so wild. That's what's so wild about the Olympics, for especially like sprint events for me, is yeah. like so much can happen so quickly. Well, and you know, people who play like a soccer, a game, you know, or do a, I don't know, you spend your whole life preparing for under a minute. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're playing like basketball, soccer, you know, ping pong at the Olympics, like. You're playing for an hour or so. You're doing, it's stretched out. Mm -hmm. It's grueling. Where you, that's why I hate a track. All of this work, all of this pressure for 30 seconds worth of a lot happening. Yeah. Uh, And if you don't make it. 100 meter time. (laughs) A nice saunter. (laughs) If you didn't, like, if you didn't make it past the first round, and then you were just like out and you only had like one event, like literally your entire Olymp- that entire Olympics for you was under a minute or maybe over a minute. And that's why you didn't make it out of the first round. <laughs> um, I can't throw shame. We can't. I can't run for shit. So she goes on after this to win the gold at the 400 and the world champions and in the world championships in Athens the next year that I think Perek wasn't at. So she takes gold at the world championships. So it's one of those like, would I have gotten one because I wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But then she had to sit. I think that's the one that Perek wasn't at. But then she had to sit out in 1998 due to injury for the world championships like because running is so hard on your body and trainers don't train women correctly can i just say i've got a huge issue with that especially female runners Mm -hmm. they run their bodies to the ground no pun intended and they treat their bodies as if they're the same as males when they're chemically different shits going on i think it's the 97 olympics or 97 season that she and it might have just been an ankle sprain, it might not have been whatever. Yeah, but... I think it's a 97 
season that she only loses one 400 meter race that entire season and it's the one that she injured herself on or just before in like Oslo uh so she sits out for 98 she comes back just as strong in 1999 she does not lose a single 400 meter race in all of 1999 basically throughout the whole banner year season so then we go to the to the 2000 olympics in sydney in the country the push for aborigine equal rights is is a a flaming it's happening like there's a lot of there's a lot more people and Kathy has always been like an activist, but she's always been kind of like a quieter activist. She just is, seems like, a, and is like reported to be a pretty shy and reserved and grounded mm-hmm. person. Which but, takes a lot for someone like that to be an activist then. Yeah. To have- but so it's like she she really embraces the idea that like, hey, I'm, I have this amazing athletic career that I've always wanted and maybe, maybe other aborigine people it's really it's like australia's rallying behind her mm-hmm. and she's like i am the othered and you are now singing my praises and supporting me and making me basically the face of the 2000 olympics yeah so her face being everywhere kind of in its own way did a lot for the equal representation rights it matters so much can you imagine jesus just uh so she becomes the second Australian Aborigine uh, Olympic champion. The first was, uh, just because I want to shout out who was the first, was uh, Nova Paris, uh, Nova per- Paris or Perry Kneebone, who won for field hockey four years earlier. So she's the, the second, she got the first medal, but then she's the second, she's only the second ever to take home gold. Mm. After her win, she takes a victory lap carrying both the Australian flag and the Aboriginal flag, which is kind of against the rules. I mean, it is technically against the rules because the Aboriginal flag is recognized as an official flag in Australia, but because it is not a national flag, it isn't recognized by the International Olympics Committee. So, and unofficial flags are banned at the olympic games really so like when i win the olympics i can't hold my american flag and the des moines flag you cannot i'm here to make a stance okay (laughs) i know like think about how i felt with my precious precious chicago flag oh my god i'm literally wearing my des moines 2024 olympic shirt (laughs) oh i noticed oh my gosh (laughs) Um, i got it from ray gun shout out ray gun drop the ad right here (laughs) <laughs> Cass, Cass, they did it. Did wait, what now? They did it. They they finally did it. Greatest store in the universe. Who? Raygun. They did it. They're the greatest store in the universe. Oh. Says who? Says Raygun. Oh. Okay. I'll buy it. You know what else you can buy? Clothing, home goods, and time travel supplies at raygunsite.com or at any of their six stores. Exactly. Use promo code SHARIALATER to save on your next order. That's raygunsite.com, promo code SHARIALATER, all one word. What an amazing ad from Raygun! Wow, I'm glad we took that moment to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so she doesn't get in trouble for it. 
some people saw it as like an act of defiance and and but the most people saw it as like just a huge moment of pride for her to hold that flag up mm-hmm. and a big step towards reconciliation that she was holding both up like she didn't give australia the australian flag the finger yeah she was holding both yeah uh with immense pride and awesome. she she also at the 2000 Olympics was one of the she was the person who lit the torch like she was the last person. So when I say she was the face Maybe of the Olympics. Maybe that's why she looks familiar because I was 10 during the, the 2000 Sydney Olympics were fucking huge. I remember everyone mm-hmm. losing their shit over that. I think they were the yeah. first Olympics that I was like old enough to act to like re- for the first summer olympics that i was old enough to really actually like watch and be invested in and i think we yeah. probably followed them in school so yeah because she she lights the torch and if you watch the opening ceremonies this this poor woman it's she lights the the, the final torch is she steps into a circle and then she lights the circle on fire. So she's just surrounded by a ring of fire. And you're like, what is happening? And then she's on a platform that goes down while the torch goes up. Yeah. Or or maybe just one direction was happening. Yeah. But you you have a moment of, but Kathy, now you're trapped. <laughs> Get out now, of there, girl. <laughs> you have a race to run. Now you're trapped in a fire. Uh, but then it's like, there's all, it's, it's like a fire in a fountain. And then the, the the water's like pouring off of it. So I'm pretty sure she got like drenched. Uh, she she also, this is, in these Olympics, she's wearing like this like kind of futuristic full body one piece suit with like the hood. Everyone else is like running in their skivvies and she's like in this full, but hey, she, she does a big win. Um, and in honor of that win, she then got to carry the Olympic flag and uh, in representation of uh, the continent at the Olympic ceremonies for the next Olympics. Alongside, you know, just like Desmond Tutu and Steven Spielberg, just casual folks. Chill. Just chill. Just hanging folks. with Kathy Freeman. Yeah. The I'm trying to find it. I think it's the 1996 her her winning time isn't as fast as her time was when she got the silver. Her time for in 1996 is I think the race that is still she's currently ranked as the eighth fastest woman of all time mm-hmm. with a 400 meter sprint of 48 sec 48.63 seconds and that is her time for the 96 Olympics that she won with. No, the 96 is when she got silver. So the, she's ranked eighth. So Perek is it. ranked above her. Was Perek at the 2000 Olympics? Oh, I hope she was. Let's find out. We have the power. Oh no, she abruptly. Perek was due to pro- make a comeback at the 2000 Olympics, but she pulled out fairly abruptly before the event and she we should do her sometime she also seems fascinating throw her on the list yeah so she's not at the 2000 wow look at some hot tea i just found that wasn't anywhere in any of my kathy freeman sources tell me uh parek claimed that she had been threatened and insulted several times since arriving in australia for the 2000 olympic games and that the australian press who were supporting kathy freeman 
had been trying to sabotage her chance of winning the gold in the 400 meters. And so <gasps> that is, it doesn't necessarily say that that is, it implies that that is why she withdrew. Yeah. But That's it doesn't. crazy. This is bananas. Okay. Sorry for that tangent. Tea spilled all over. Just tea everywhere. But Kathy, uh, yeah, Kathy wins. If you look at Kathy's like Wikipedia page and you look at like where it has her record, at a certain point in the record, like at any time you, they get gold, it's like color coded yellow in the table. And at a certain point in her record, it's just yellow. Um, so the 2000 Olympics were for sure kind of the. What's the word I was thinking of? The 2000 Olympics were for sure like the climax of her career and everything. She retires in 2003, but only from racing. She's still working very hard. She still is. She works with a number of community and charity organizations. Having been l- lucky enough to get a scholarship that allowed her to afford to board at a school when she was growing up. Mm-hmm. And get like a halfway decent education, which is not something that was provided or guaranteed to most Aborigine folks. Um, she founded her own foundation in 2007, which pretty much focuses on closing the gap between closing the education gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australian children and making sure that there is equal opportunity from the out the outset. Um, and offering more and more incentives for children to attend and stay in school and opportunities for them to do so. So she's still hard at work, just not just not racing. I will also say what I how I feel about a lot of things, a lot of women in history, um, when I was disappointed that on her Wikipedia page, for example, I was disappointed that there was only a certain amount of information about her career really nothing about her like before she was big on the scene and then more information than i needed about her personal life like her marriages like multiple marriages i don't i was annoyed that under personal life it was so focused on relationships and marriages and what because at one point she was like she was like dating her coach for a really long time. That was like one of her like yeah. big first big serious relationships that the press covered. And I just was like, I, I wish that like... this wasn't the focus. It's not the focus, but I wish that like instead of this having this much real estate on her Wikipedia page, like her fucking family and like childhood or whatnot or like anyone. Yeah. I was annoyed by it. Also, I mean, I think a lot of that in the... <sighs> 2000 like tabloids were just insane like i i don't know if it's just because i became more aware of them then but i feel like that's when people started to like when athletes are now becoming celebrities all we care about is the, the drama and you know maybe reaching a wider audience of people who don't give a shit about sports or track well we throw some juicy hot relationship goss in there so that's probably the only information really given about her other than her her wins because no one cared to ask anything else. Yeah. I just was, I was like, give that's me something about, give me more about like her family and like the people yeah. who supported her. And... Well, because clearly her 
her aborigine like background is so important to her like she carried the Galdang flag after she won like she was this activist she was this face like clearly it mattered to her like let's ask her about it yeah ask the questions yep but yeah I love that. I love a trailblazer yeah so yeah. shout out to i wish i could remember who told us to cover kathy freeman and if i if i missed if i missed something listener who wanted me to talk about her that you learned in class that i that wasn't available to me in my sources or in the dive that i did um holler at us let us know yeah i always appreciate more info i just think it's like i don't know it's just a good inspira good inspirational nug i love it i love when you put i love putting an affirmation on your wall that you're like lol this ain't ever gonna happen and then 20 years later you're at the olympics and you're like shit we're doing it oh my god i remember that post-it <laughs> uh that's great i love that uh, oh i'm here to talk to you about another runner <gasps> not really but that's a good segue i am going to talk to you about captain robert smalls you could say like blockade runner. Ooh. Uh, so Robert Smalls um, was Why born. Why do I know his name? Robert uh, Smalls was born into slavery in Beaufort, South Carolina. He lived and worked on a plantation there. And he ended up like his master like sent him to Charleston to be a laborer there and you know for all the money he made he got to keep one dollar his master got the rest of it uh and so he he did various work it said it, it said that his mom so his mom i think worked in the house and robert was favored among the the whites but she requested that they work in the field so that he didn't get like so that he knew the plight and everything going on of the people like she wanted him to work, which was like, I don't know. It felt I mean, fucked up shit was going on in the houses. Fucked too, up but shit like... was going on in the house. And then she actually asked for him to be sent to Charleston when the slave owner needed work done there. Uh, so so he I love, worked. I love that it's phrased like, "There, you're a laborer. You're getting a wage. Yeah, you're, you're a slave who gets tips. You're yeah. still enslaved." You're still being enslaved, but we throw we literally throw you a dollar every now and then. So yeah, it's super fucked up. Yeah, uh, he he went to Charleston and he worked like at a hotel. He was a lamplighter, um, and then he ended up working on the docks. He ended up being on a boat. He was the he did shit with the sails. He did I don't know. You're all a boat. Bo you're a things. boat professional. I'm a I'm a boat gal and I know my things. Um, the point is that he knew a lot about boats and he ended up working on this ship. So during the Civil War, uh, South Carolina was a huge port and the Union Navy set up a blockade. They were just trying to cut the South off from all resources. The South needed to trade. They were all agriculture. So they didn't really have industry to make guns, weapons, tools, anything. So there were these blockade runners who were usually foreign um, p 
people who came in because they're like, I don't got any skin in this game. And they would run past the blockade to go sell and trade and whatnot. Throwing so, it back to Adam's episode, he talks about. Are you? I don't want to. I don't. Oh no, no, that's not in, it. At all. But like, but like, he talks about. He very briefly mentions that there were a lot of Scottish merchants mm-hmm. who were blockade runners who were like, yeah, we don't care who wins. We get to make money. Yeah. So well, basically, that's what's going on at this point in the Civil War. Is uh, I think it's called Scott's Great Snake. I saw somewhere where they are just blocking all of the major ports. And there's a map, uh, like a cartoon that they made during the Civil War of like kind of the outline of the United States, and then a snake that's like literally encircling all of the trade spots in the south basically trying to choke them choke them out um, from making any money from getting resources food supplies in and robert worked on worked he was a crew member on this boat for a southern confederate captain he was you know, he was doing everything. He basically could have run the ship himself, but slaves were not allowed to. He had a wife and like two or three children. Uh, he married his wife, Hannah Jones, on December 24th, 1865. We love a Christmas Eve wedding. Uh, she was five years older. She already had two kids. They ended up having a kid together. Like I said, he got like a dollar a dollar a week or a dollar a month or something and Hannah was also a slave her uh, owner master said that she could buy her freedom for $800 $800 nowadays would be like $20,000 $25,000 so they're slowly saving up like slowly saving up so they can free themselves take the whole family with them after I don't know how long they've only got a hundred dollars. Like it, it, it could literally take slaves decades to buy their freedom. And that kind of, I think was the incentive behind the, I'll throw you a dollar. Oh, sure. You can buy your freedom. It's never going to happen. Like the timeline is going to be so long. And in that meantime, you're going to keep working hard for me because you're going to want to have that hope of freedom. You, you Um, did a great job. Uh, you did a great job giving me a math conversion, but then I wanted another one, which was that a dollar and let's say this isn't necessarily the middle of the civil, is it? Well, also I'm assuming it's Confederate dollars too. Oh, and those are worthless. <laughs> uh, those are worth it's nothing. monopoly money. Uh, 1861 is the beginning of the Civil War. A uh, dollar in 1861 is worth Thirty dollars today. So shit, that's a lot. Thirty dollars? No, thirty dollars a week. Oh, but I mean, like that's a lot to have to to pay Mm -hmm. in that time. Um. Anyway, so the reason I'm telling you about Robert Smalls is that he lived in Charleston. He worked on the docks. He worked on boats. He knew that port inside and out. Um. The Union Army called Charleston, the port of Charleston, the rat hole, because there was it was so 
intricate. There's so many inlets that it was not easy, but these blockade runners were getting in and out of there like little rats in a hole, just sneaking in and out. So Robert Smalls decides to escape. And when I first read like this article, I, oh my gosh, I was like on the edge of my seat. It starts like as thin wisps of smoke from the vessel's smokestack high above the pilot house, 23 year old enslaved man, Robert Small stood on the deck. In the next few hours, he and his young family would either find freedom from slavery or face certain death. His future, he knew, depended largely on his courage and the strength of his plan. I was like, oh shit, he's got a plan. What's the goddamn plan? Tell me everything. And it just reads like, oh my gosh, just the most dramatic story ever. So basically, he's like, I can't buy my freedom. I can't buy my family's freedom, but I'm not, like, escaping with a family is so difficult. Small children, I need to find a way to escape. I need to make a plan. And the way they're setting this up is like, he's got this like brilliant, amazing plan. And then you kind of hear the plan and you're like, oh, so, so you don't, you don't have a plan then. Oh, no. He did. It was just so like, there's no way this could work, but I'm going to try it anyway. Like I said, he was on a ship. It was a, it was like a battleship, but it was like a smaller one, I think. It was like a steamboat, but I think they used it for, I don't know if it's like carrying guns and stuff or just general Confederacy fighting. There were, I think, three or four slaves that were part of the crew and then two white officers. Uh, slaves were not allowed to captain the boats. They didn't think they could do it, first of all, and they're also like, no, you're slaves. But the captain and the white crew members would go off the boat at night. They would go to see their families because they're like, there's no way a slave is going to take this boat. They're no, literally- no, no, we don't let them. We don't let well, them do it so well, they can't. And also they're in this port, like this Navy port surrounded by everyone. Like it's a fool's errand. There's no way they could figure out how to do it. Yeah. It's not and like they could have watched us and learned how to captain a ship. Exactly. Right. Oh my gosh. Robert's like, I'm going to take the ship. Even talking about escaping could get you killed, you know, tortured. They would sell you sometimes to separate you from your family. Like it was, could almost be as bad as attempting to escape and not being able to. Like it was a really big, hard no-no. And telling the wrong person, even if it was another slave, like it's risky. They could be like, I don't want to get in trouble. Fuck Mm -hmm. this. So he kind of was like putting little feelers out. He's like, you guys, like we could do this. Like, let's get out of here. And then when the, when the captain like would leave the boat at night, one night he was like, hey, can our family members come see us on the boat? Because the crew wasn't allowed to leave the boat generally. So they're like, sure, whatever. All the crew members' families came onto the boat hung out, look at us, ooh, we're here. And then one of the crew members like escorted all the families back off the boat so everyone could see. But then they like double backed and hid. 
And I'm not sure, I saw something that said like they got back on that boat and then I got, I saw something that said they got on a different boat. And they're, so they're just like hiding, they're chilling. Everyone thinks that everyone's, that the slaves, all their families have gone back home. Meanwhile, the white officers, they go chill. They're like, I don't want to sleep on the boat tonight. There's a whore in town with my name on her. (laughs) So. Gotta go spend my confederate money. My valuable (laughs) confederate dollars. My monopoly money. Um, Spend it while it's worth something, I guess, bro. Yeah. So, well, so that's how they got them on the boat. But, like, even when he was still trying to figure out how, like, guys, are you cool to do this? He told the guys, kind of came up with an idea, and he told his wife. I don't think the other crew members told their family. So when their families were coming and visiting, they're like, by the way, we're leaving tonight. And they're like, what the fuck? So it was kind of just like, ah, I don't know what's going on. His wife said, it is a risk, dear, but you and I and our little ones must be free. I will go for where you die, I will die. I was like, my heart, my heart. Some of it says the other women were less steadfast. <laughs> they <laughs> Which, were they were basically being kidnapped, but it's fine. But also, like, the risk of escaping was not worth it to a lot of people. Like, yeah. they were living these horrible lives enslaved, but they could always be made worse. Like, y'all, if you're well, you could, down, they could always with, they could always be made ended. Yeah, if you're down with owning another human, like. Something tells me you have no problem going to the extreme to make someone's life miserable. Um, So it's nighttime. It's foggy. There's a lot of guns and shit on the ship, too. That's just for later. So Robert Smalls puts on the captain's uniform (gasps) and a straw hat, a similar straw hat. And it's foggy, so no one can, like, super see what's going on. They raise... The Confederate flag and the South Carolina flag. Just as any boat, you know, in the Confederacy would. And he knows the route so well. Like, these guys would just do routine, like, rounds or they would go places. He knows all of the hand signals, all the whistles. He knows everything they should do to make it seem like just another... Nothing to see here. Yeah. And well, and because... I'm assuming in the Navy, like, you don't just go out for a joyride in your boat. So you probably know boats around you, and you're like, what the fuck is Bill doing? That doesn't seem right. Let's go check that out. So he has to be, like, spot on. So they raise the flags. They start heading out of port. Uh, They come to, like, a checkpoint or something, and he he blows, like, two long whistles which is like the code like hey we're cool and he has to do that several times and then he gets to Fort Sumter and they like call down to him like I think they think he's going on a like a blockade runner like to go fight some some Yankees and someone shouts down to him like they have to do the hand signal and then it goes go give those damn Yankees hell blow them out of the water and he's just like, aye, aye. And then he had to give a signal to go out into water. And Fort Sumter, like, 
hesitated. Like no one said anything. No one gave a little flash. And he's like, oh, shit. Like we're dead. They know. Yeah. It was like way too long of a pause. And then they gave the thumbs up. They gave the all good. So they're out. They're heading open water. But now they're in a fucking Confederate ship heading towards this huge blockade Navy warships. So they're like, mind you, it's still foggy again. They have to like time it right. So like we take our Confederate flags down and put up a bed sheet that Robert's wife gave him to indicate, you know, it's a white sheet of surrender. So they do that. They lower the flags. They raise a white bed sheet. And they're like, I hope to God that this boat sees the flag. And they don't. (gasps) So they're like, pull around to the side of us. They're starting to raise their guns. And I guess um, they wanted to pull side to side so that they could like parlay, chat, whatever. But they didn't hear them. So they kind of started to loop around. Smalls' boat did. And so they said they, they... Well, so they thought that they were going into an attack position as opposed to a neutral position. So they start to raise the guns as the fog is kind of starting to clear. And they're like, wait, hold up. I think they've got a white flag. And everyone's like, shut the fuck up. Stop the guns. And everyone like holds off. And then Robert Small is like a fucking badass. And it's called the planter, the CSS planter. He gets on the boat the union warship he goes here i brought you the uss planter and all of all of the confederate guns aboard and whatnot so he gave him the ship he gave him a shit ton of their supplies and guns which i mean in yeah, war, it's a fully equipped ship yeah everyone always needs more guns especially the confederacy who doesn't fucking have any yeah so he steals a ship navigates it out of like the tricksiest port ever yeah. Cosplays that ship out of the harbor. Oh my god. And he saves his family and the crew members and the crew members' family. And then is all like, hey Lincoln, here's what's up. You're welcome. I so, like to think that the crew members' family that like weren't really into it are like, yeah, yeah, we were on board with this the whole time. We love this. Yeah. We, we were totally down for this. Never doubted you for a minute. <laughs> so one of the crew members actually, I like had a written account of this and they said that like when they pulled up to Fort Sumter, like the kind of the big, like, this is where we're going to get fucking killed. He said, every man's knees gave way and started to tremble except for Robert Smalls. Like he was just like, fuck no, we're doing this. Not Bobby Smalls. And then in one article, it was like, when the, the Fort Sumter was like, give him the all clear and like, yeah, go fuck some shit up. Like he very easily could have said like, fuck you guys. <laughs> you stole your boat. But he, he exhibited restraint and was just he like, could have just I... oh, Doyle rules. <laughs> I'm going to live forever. So prior to this, Abraham Lincoln had just vetoed something that was asking to allow black union soldiers to to fight and to be soldiers and also become officers. That's and they're like, nah. Abe Lincoln was only progressive when it was convenient and he had no other choice. 
Yup. Uh, so he's like, nah, we're not going to do that. And then I don't know if it was directly because of Robert Smalls, but it happened directly after this. Um, that so many of the Union soldiers were impressed with him, white and black, and they're like, hey, like, bodies be bodies. Like, let's get some fucking officers here. Yeah. So then Abraham Lincoln allowed, I believe it was 5,000 uh, black Union troops or something. And he never got, I don't think he was ever made a captain. I don't know that he was ever officially part of the army. He was witness to 15 major battles, but I'm not, I don't know that he was like granted status as yeah being part of the Navy. They said he then w- was part of the army again, not sure if he was given uh rank Tension. or if he was just helping out. Um, but just this like badass fucking when they when they described the plan is like all i have to do is sneak my family on board pretend to be the captain of you know a a white confederate captain know all of the signals avoid all of the other ships surrounding me go up to the largest port fort and be like, hey, it's me, your white friend. I hate <laughs> black people. Boo, Union. And then get to the Union warships and convince them that you are not a Confederate. And like, oh my God. I was like, oh yeah, some some plan, Rob. Good luck. Yeah, it was, was a like, plan. Hey. It just was uh, not necessarily based in... Oh, I mean, immediate plausibility or reality like yeah it was just one of those of like this is the only option we have yeah, there, there wasn't and, a less risky plan yeah and so just if one tiny thing happened at any point like it never would have happened but he's like i'm smart as hell i know how to maneuver the shit out of this boat and you dumb white officers who are like the slave couldn't figure out how to do this. He memorized all the signals. He memorized your mannerisms. And he fucking did it. And he probably looked better in your uniform and hat, dude. Yeah. 100%. So he ended up getting, like, commissioned and prize money for it. Congress paid him $5,000. Turning over the ship and the supplies, the valuation would have been over $60,000 if if anyone normally did this, they gave him five. And cool. I'm like, yeah. I thought that he did become a captain. Is it just not clear whether or not he like... It's... Because he... I thought he became captain. Because I, I was like, I recognize the name, but yeah. I didn't I didn't know the whole escape story. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that he became a captain of that, of the planter. It... Yes, he did. I just don't know... If he if was it... like... If officially he was, enlisted yeah because it says he's a maritime pilot mm. um but i don't think they ever gave him status as yeah. like a union officer uh he was a he became a politician he was a businessman um a publisher he went on to have this like great life seemingly he was in politics local and state he his wife died and he remarried. Uh, she was a school teacher. He had several children. 
He died of malaria and diabetes in 1950 at the age of 75. And he was buried in his family's plot. Oh, yeah. So he went back and he bought the plantation that he was born on. He was like, yes. fuck you. And he bought it. Um, and I think he ran like a, a business out of that. Uh, and then he was buried in his family's plot in their churchyard. There's a monument made to him. And the inscription on it is a statement he said to the South Carolina legislature. My race needs no special defense. For the past history of them in this country proves them to be the equal of any people anywhere. All they need is an equal chance in the battle of life. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because when you said the name, I was like, oh, this name sounds familiar. And we started talking. I didn't know the, like, the full, I didn't know that, like, high stakes escape. I knew, yeah. I knew, all I knew was escaped slave. Like, I didn't yeah. know, like, the whole story. Well, and there's um, things that say Captain Robert Smalls, and then, but, like, they'll say it once, or it'll be in the title, and they never, usually if you were any sort of rank in the military, they're always going to, like, have that be your kind of qualifier. Mm-hmm. They never really say it in any of this. Yeah, the only, because the only other thing that I, like, I thought, I thought he had, he was a captain, so, but then, um, the only other thing I knew is I was like, okay, escape slave, captain politician, because he was... In the U.S., he was in the U.S. House of Representatives, right? Yeah. Yeah. He served in the South Carolina House or Senate, um, but then in the in the U.S. House as well. Mm-hmm. And that's all I had known about him. I did not know this whole story. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. There's so much more that he did. Yeah. But, like... This fucking story, I was, like, nervous. And it's another one of those, like, clearly he made it. Like, they kind of, you know, yeah. look at what this cool guy did. You know he made it, but you're like, fuck, how's he going to get out of this one? Oof. So, yes, our, our runners today. That was, yeah, sorry, that was, like, a super quick sprinted right through that one. Uh uh god i just love that i just love that he was like and this is my house now look you yeah this is my boat now and this is my house now i'm the captain uh, uh yeah <laughs> and uh fuck you very much um <laughs> honestly like just just what a i look this is our last episode i've said this before of just the two of us for this season but I mean it this time, and I'm uh, I'm glad that we went on. I went on, we went on these adventures. I'm glad that both of us got stressed out during our research about things that we already knew the outcome to. Well, That's what I'm here I, for. I have like every time I see like I have a list going, and when I'm like, oh, what should I do this week? What should I whatever? And I saw Captain Robert Smalls on my list, and I was like, I don't remember exactly what that was. I'm going to do it. And so I like Googled him. And I was like, oh, cool. Like escape slave. And then I like started reading more. I was like, fuck, there's water involved and <laughs> boats. And you know how much fire and water stress me out. Cass is afraid of the elements. Uh, <laughs> just all of them. Like just wind, all of them. wind can be fucking scary. Wind is horrifying. <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we live in tornado country. Wind is scary. But... <laughs> 
But, you know, I'm glad that you were brave. I'm glad that you were brave again because history is worth it. It's worth it. Bravery. If we've learned anything from Robert Smalls, it's that bravery is important. Yeah. And he was filled with lots of it. And if we've... Nothing small about him. uh, (laughs) And if we learned anything from Kathy Freeman, it's that we can do seemingly impossible things. Um, we're so strong and so brave. What a fucking inspirational combo today. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone. For, <laughs> you're welcome for sharing this history. For all of the inspiration. There are things, we're going to post the race, so there are things, it'll fit in under the minute limit <laughs> on Instagram. So if you want to see these things, you can see them on our social medias at SharedPod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to tell me that you're the person who told me to cover Kathy Freeman, or if you have any questions, corrections, or suggestions, you can send those to me and Cass at SharedHistoryPodcast at gmail.com. We read the emails. We love them. Some pe- there are some folks send us uh, don't have iTunes and have sent us lovely emails in the place of reviews but if you do have apple podcasts and let me tell you if you ever owned an ipod in the 2000s uh you have an itunes account and you can leave us a review you don't have to currently have an apple device i will just kick my soapbox away from me now um (laughs) so you uh leave us uh leave us a review anything uh over four stars is acceptable and appreciated Mm -hmm. It really, it really genuinely helps, and I wish it didn't, but until, I don't know, reviews are abolished, it genuinely helps. Um, We will see you very soon with our season four finale. Can you believe it? I cannot. I also cannot believe that we've basically, we've recorded three seasons in quarantine. Uh, Yeah. That's the weird bit. <laughs> but I haven't touched Natalie's face in God, how long? I am going three seasons. To, I am going to hug you until your eyes pop out of your face. <laughs> you have been warned. Uh, please make your amends with your mortal life now, because you will be no more. I will squeeze you so hard. <laughs> But until then, share a little later. Welcome. To Arcade Audio.